0: everybody, welcome to The Favors Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week we pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. Welcome back, everybody. We actually got three emails this past week about our uh, previous episode about our original Nintendo games. So we're going to check in with those real quick. First off, <laughs> I had a couple of people comment about the the music at the end. That was from <laughs> me. The original music is me as well when we were chatting after the fact. I think Shannon or so- somebody mentioned like, hey, you're going to do a video game version since you did the Christmas Jingle Bell thing? And I was like, oh, I should. And I ended up with like a half a day off of work and I just jumped in and pretty soon it was done. And I was like, oh, this is fun. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed it. I tried, I did my best. <laughs> Our first email is from Catherine, friend of the show. Hey, Catherine. Thank you for commenting. We really appreciate it. She says, hello, everyone at The Favorite Show. I remember getting the NES in 1988. I was five years old, and I remember coming home from gymnastics practice and finding the NES at home. Mine came with the three games in one, Super Mario Bros., Duck Hunt, and Track Meet. With the power pad, I still have it. Nice. Catherine, that means we're having a party at your house and we're playing Track Meet. <laughs> <laughs> I love listening to your favorite games. We had a lot in common. I, of course, love the original three Mario Brothers games. While Mario Brothers 3 was revolutionary when it came out, I'd have to say my favorite is Super Mario 2. I love that you could choose which character you wanted to be. I always picked Princess Peach because she could fly. I also yeah. love that there are villains in the game that you don't really see in any other Mario games. That's true because every Mario game Very has true. like Goombas and Koopa Troopas and Bowser. But like how many other games have Birdo in them and Mouser, yeah. right? You got to throw vegetables in people's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was going to say how many games feature turnips.
0: I know, right? That's it's true. true. Uh she says other games were the Mega Man games, especially two through five. I love the different bad guys and I enjoyed the music in those games. Tiny Toon Adventures, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle, DuckTales, Rescue Rangers. We had one called Disney Adventures in the Magic Kingdom. In the game you get to ride different rides at Disneyland. Space Mountain was hard because you had to press the buttons really fast. I didn't know that was a thing.
2: I'm gonna have to look it's that up. That mind. sounds awesome. <laughs>
0: And then I have a special place in my heart for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. I remember going to Disneyland when I was in first grade, going to the Wishing Well, dropping in my penny and wishing for Ninja Turtles. Sure enough, when we got home, it was waiting for me.
2: That is so (laughs)
0: magical. I love it. That is magical. (laughs) Can't wait to hear what you talk about next, Catherine. Oh, that's great, Catherine. Thank you so much for sharing. I love that. That's so great. (laughs) That's awesome. Thanks, Catherine. We also got an email from our mom. She says, oh boy, what a fun podcast. Yes, you all are big nerds and I love you for it. (laughs) Uh, uh, She says, I'm so glad your big brother Nolan could join you since he started it all in this house. That's interesting that you said Bubble Bobble was a party game before they were popular because I definitely remember it being a party every time you all started playing that game here. (laughs) That song is burned into my brain too. Good to hear from old Bub and Bob. (laughs) In fact, it was like hearing about some long lost friends as they mentioned these games. (laughs) I love it. Uh, She says, Yes, that story is true of dad getting Mario Brothers 3 before us. I still remember him waving it out the window as we passed him on the street. Those games were hard to get. I'm so glad that she remembers because I was, since none of you guys remembered, I was like, Oh crap, did I just like dream that and now I think it's real? (laughs) So I'm glad it's real. (laughs) she says i love how sean never gave up and finally beat guardian legend as an adult he even conquered spaghetti head and triangle laser guy (laughs) where to go sean
2: that's right it wasn't a constant effort it's not like i've been working on it every day yeah i did come back (laughs) she says i know we had limits on
0: how long you could play and i didn't feel too bad when you finally wore out the nes (laughs) but after (laughs) listening to the podcast i'm seeing all the positive things that came from your video game playing Don't worry, I'm saving an old TV so you can play Duck Hunt with the laser gun next visit. How about in March? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks, Mom. Yeah, we got to make a trip up to see you and also play Duck Hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's fun. And then our third email was from Adam, Kristen's husband. Adam says, hey, guys, just finishing listening to the NES episode. I loved it. The original Nintendo was my jam. We got one for Christmas in 1989 when I was seven. He says, we didn't have a lot of games initially, just Super Mario Brothers slash Duck Hunt, which came with it, and Tetris. I played it so much that the later, faster levels were stressing me out, and my parents started worrying because sometimes I would have a hard time getting a full breath. They later realized it was likely (laughs) due to the increased tension I was experiencing while getting really into Tetris and made me cut back. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow, (laughs) It makes sense. Oh, man, some of those old games were stressful, man. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was pretty intense. Some of my favorites were ones you mentioned, DuckTales and Chip and Jail's Rescue Rangers, Super Mario Brothers 3, which is probably his favorite of all time, and Legend of Zelda. I spent hours playing that game, not to rub it in or brag, but I did beat it when I was a kid. Good for wow. you. Wow. That's amazing. Awesome. He says, I did not care for the follow-up game, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. That is a
2: polarizing oh, game.
1: I didn't either.
2: It is very polarizing. Yeah. yeah. I would say it's more polarizing than Majora's Mask, but we won't start that here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I had the exact conversation with Alex today because we were talking about (laughs) Ocarina of Time.
2: Oh, that's funny. He says, some of my other
0: favorites you didn't mention were Ninja Gaiden and Marvel Madness. I forgot about Marvel Madness. That was a good game. And surprisingly, Disney's The Little Mermaid. We rented it once for my sister. Remember renting video games? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I ended up playing it way more than her. It was pretty fun. Thanks for the great episode, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for writing in. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, I, I, I do remember the days of renting video games. I remember when the Super Nintendo came out. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this when we do our favorite Super Nintendo games, but... The first time I played it, we had rented the entire system and some controllers and like three games from Blockbuster or someplace like that, and just like played nonstop for the weekend. And it was crazy. But yeah, those those were the days <laughs> <laughs> back in the back in the day. And then we also, we had a lot of people uh, comment on Instagram. I I always, sometimes I forget to comment on the people who commented on Instagram. I apologize, but we had some really good comments. My, I shouldn't say my favorite, the saddest one, Sean, from your wife, Amber, (laughs) she said, I had no console growing up, so I have no favorite. That's so sad.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I asked her about that. She doesn't, they got a Wii when she was older, but they didn't have any earlier consoles. Wow, the Wii was their first console. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, I feel like this is a challenge for you, Sean, to get out the games and play them with her and yeah. find the favorite for her. You guys got to work on that. That's or your maybe homework. just play
2: the Bubble Bobble song for hours on end, so that yep. you know it's kind of it's in her memory, and so it starts now working its way into her other childhood memories now over time. Now we're talking. <laughs>
0: uh, our good friend Blues Frequency said that Contra is his favorite game. We talked about Contra a little bit. Uh, you got to have the cheat code. Konami code. Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And then our sister Kristen mentioned Mario 2 was a favorite to play. Uh, She liked to be able to play as princess because you got to play as a girl. And we didn't really talk about that. It's it's true that it was really rare back then to play as a female character. Now it's a little more common. uh, Certain games you can play as a female lead or whatever, but... Yeah, back then it was pretty rare, but Mario Brothers 2, you could play as princess.
1: And she could fly, so she was the best one.
0: Uh, yeah, she, she was could, good. Yeah, yeah. I always played as Toad because I liked how he quickly he picked stuff up out of the ground, but you know, whatever. But speaking of girls and games, Nolan and I were talking about stuff. after we. It's so funny, after we finished, we talked and talked for forever and we we're like, we could have gone on for so long. But speaking of girls in <laughs> games, none of us really mentioned the original Metroid. Yeah. And I remember the ending of Metroid was a huge, huge surprise. Because back then, you didn't know that Samus was a girl. And at the end of the game, she takes off her helmet and her long hair is flowing in the wind. And you're like,
2: Samus was a girl? I've been playing as a girl the
0: whole time? It was shocking.
1: I'd said something like that. I had a student, actually, that he had just gotten a video game system for Christmas. And it was his first one. Kind of like you know, Amber's family started a little later. He... He was finally old enough for a game system or something. And he was talking about how he really liked playing Samus in Smash Bros. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's really cool. And he's like, she? And I was like, yeah, Samus is a woman. And he's like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, even now, years later, it's still happening.
0: Well, and it's funny because in, in Smash Brothers, you actually can play a Samus without the big suit. And like, clearly, she's a girl. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, that was a huge shock. That was like a major surprise twist at the end of the game. So. <laughs> Anyway, well, I think that wraps up all of our uh, emails and, and stuff. Thank you so much for emailing and commenting on Instagram. We, we love hearing what you guys have to, have to say. It's, it's awesome. Uh, but with that, we'll get on to our topic for this week, which is our favorite children's books. And this is actually a topic that was suggested to us by Tom from Florida. Uh, way back in November. I apologize Tom we have not gotten to the uh listener suggestions quite yet until now. But we we love this idea. We think children's books is a great topic and we have a lot to say, especially Shannon. <laughs> so we be- <laughs> so we better get right into it. No more no more uh dilly-dallying. We got to jump in.
2: Well, I'll jump in first and and again Tom, hopefully you're still with us. If you are, send us an email. Send send up some smoke signals or something so we know <laughs> we didn't we didn't take too long. So jumping into children's books my children's books are all for very young children. My, my kids are uh, newborn, uh, almost two-year-old, and a five-year-old. And so when I think of children's books, that's a lot of what I think of rather than I'm sure that you could get into fourth grade books for fourth graders or something like that. So mine are all very short. And the first on my list is a book that I believe Shannon actually introduced me to by author and illustrator Mo Willems. Oh, he's the best. It's called Can I Play Too? Oh, that's a good one. That's really
1: yeah. good. Yeah.
2: So the all these books by by Mo Willems, this series is about Elephant and Piggy and Can I Play Too? I don't know that they're sequential, but I learned during this that it's it was the 12th book in this series. So there are quite a few. And... It's just a book about this pig and elephant playing a game of catch with a baseball. And then a snake comes up and says, hey, can I play catch too? And they have this dilemma about how to help this snake enjoy playing catch even though he doesn't have... Arms or hands. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's a conundrum. It's so it's cute. <laughs> well, and the
1: whole uh elephant and piggy series, it's the stories told through dialogue. Like there's not any exposition or anything. It's just dialogue between elephant and piggy. And sometimes, yeah, other characters like the snake or a bat or things.
2: Yeah, and and it's it's pretty short dialogue too. And so I think that's why my kids like it, because you're turning pages very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's funny that the elephant's name is Gerald and the pig's name is Piggy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is funny.
2: <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. Anyway, And the, yeah, anyway, but they're, they're just fun. You have to check it out. Shannon was there. If you want to go into more detail, you can. But I just that's kind of I'm going to rapid shoot some of these as, since I had seven of them. Yeah, I don't think we have that specific bug, but we
0: do have a few in that series and they're a lot of fun.
1: That one is my very favorite in the series. I have several of those books, and I will say they are also a child favorite for sure. They're always checked out at our school library, and they're just they're awesome books.
2: So check them out; they're they're awesome. The next on my list, another favorite of mine, was actually introduced to me by my dad. And I actually have a signed copy. And so when my kids have torn pages out, we very carefully taped them back together. (laughs) Nice. Um, We unfortunately weren't able to keep it in pristine condition. But it's called The Bear Who Showed Up. And it is written and illustrated by Leuian Tham. I apologize for mispronouncing your name, <laughs> but it's a fun book. There are a handful of books that come to mind like this that break the fourth wall. It, it talks directly to the reader and includes the reader in the journey through the book. And so the funny thing about this book is the bear who showed up, you might think it's about a bear, but on the first page you find a duck talking about how why the bear isn't there. And talks to you about just kind of going through, and you talk to all these different animals trying to find out if this book that's supposed to be about a bear really has a bear in it or not. That's great. I love it. <laughs> anyway, have you read that one, Shannon? I, I feel like you've probably read all of these.
1: I have not read that one before, actually. It kind of I made me think of some other books I have read, but I don't think I've read that one.
2: Which does tie closely. I'm, if somebody else was going to bring this up, I can skip it. Was, some, was anybody going to talk about the monster at the end of this book? I was, yeah. But we can you can talk about okay. it, too. No, no. You, you talk about it. Okay, if you I'll, say I'll, so. I'll, I'll skip that one. Uh, the next book, in a, in a very different category, I would put as a bedtime book. It's a quick read. It ends with everybody going to sleep. And the idea <laughs> is that your kids go to sleep at the end of it. I don't know that that ever really works, but they're good. They make me groggy, if nothing else. <laughs> and and the one I really like is just super silly. It's called, I'll love you till the cows come home. And it's written by Catherine Cristaldi and illustrated by Christina Litton. And a lot of times, I don't know, There, there are a lot, now that I have kids, I've realized there are a lot of crummy kids books out there (laughs) just i'm like what is this even talking about what is this anyway so this one it is a silly book but it's fun rhyming and it's not just hey let's talk about animal on each page like it starts hey love you till the cows come home and then you see that the cows are in space (laughs) and then it continues on to yaks and cadillacs and frogs on unicycles and just goes through all these really funny things so it's it's an entertaining read for sure
1: I think I've looked at that at your house before.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It's one that I make sure we keep in the rotation. Now, this next book is actually one that my oldest, my five-year-old, does not care for, but I thought it was so funny. It's called Pete the Cat and His Four Groovy Buttons. And <laughs> I already like the title. <laughs> Pete
1: the Cat is a good series.
2: <laughs> I had never heard of Pete the Cat, but at preschool, my five-year-old had had a Pete the Cat book read to her, and we thought she was saying Pizza Cat. And so we went to the library and asked for a Pizza Cat book. And luckily, the person understood us and was like, "Oh yeah, Pete the Cat." Thank heavens. <laughs> we're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's what, of course what we were saying." But um, it's it's written by Eric Litwill and then illustrated by James Dean, and also says in parentheses, "the creator of Pete the Cat." But <laughs> nice. They're just they're just funny. They have YouTube videos. It's all about this cat singing a really simple song. And there's several books with Pete the Cat, but I just love this one where Pete the Cat just sings a little song about he's so happy for his four buttons. And then as the book goes on, he loses each one of his buttons. And instead of getting down, he's happy that he has a belly button. And <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, like ultra happy. But this idea of, of just being happy no matter your circumstances, and not that I always read into these books a ton, but there are... Many simple and complex things that can cause kids to throw fits. And, like, losing the buttons on your shirt doesn't need to be one of them. Like, you can just be happy no matter what happens. And then, oh, let's see. I've got two more on the list. Go for it. Why not? Yeah. All right. I'll just... The next, so I have a lot of favorites in this category, and the the not favorites I don't really remember because I actively throw away books that I think nobody should <laughs> read. And then the other ones I, I do like to to buy and donate, but yeah, they're just some of them they're so bad. <laughs> the this next one that's a favorite of mine is Flora's Very Windy Day by Gene Birdsall, illustrated by Matt Fellin. And it's about this girl named Flora, in case you didn't guess, and she has this little annoying brother named Crispin. And they're being annoying, and so the mom sends them outside on this blustering fall day, and the wind picks up her little brother and carries him away. And she decides to go after him and rescue him, and even though he's an annoying little brother, he's her annoying little brother. Aww. And so it's just a it's just a fun story. Uh for whatever reason, even though it's not ultra short on each page and it's not rhyming or singing, my kids just stay very engaged for that entire book for whatever reason. And I think it's just it's a fun story. And the last of my favorites is Brave as a Tiger by Lebuse Pelisek, illustrated by Yosef Pelikek. And it's a book about this scared little tiger. Who um is so scared that the other tigers come along and say, "You don't deserve to be a tiger, you're such a scaredy cat," mm. and they take his stripes Aww. and he's really sad and he's with his with his mom and as the book goes through, he learns a different way to be brave, a different way meaning bravery doesn't need to be something that's macho and everybody, all the other tigers end up recognizing that and he earns a stripe back and actually spoiler alert saves his mother's life so a great great little tiger named fang earns his stripes back so it's it's a pretty good one it's one that not not that i'm necessarily in children's books for like the the story quality all the time I did not I did not see the story coming. I guess as I read it, I was like, oh, great. Is this one I'm going to have to throw away? And then it was a good story. So I don't know where we got it, but it's a pretty good book. And so it keeps, stays in our rotation, too. Well, that's nice. Nice. And that's it for me. I'll be quiet for a little bit now that you just heard <laughs> me. I feel like I try to go into more detail most of the time, but this was just a rapid fire. I had to get a bunch out there. So if any of you also like similar books, let me know, because I'm always looking for more books that aren't super crummy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there are a bunch on that list I'd never even heard of, so i to have to check out some yeah. of those for sure. I do not have children, but I totally hear what you're saying, Sean, about like there's a wide spectrum of children's books. And I feel like the ones that I picked that I wanted to talk about that are my personal favorites, they're my favorites because I feel like they're good stories regardless of how old you are. You know, some of these super simple children's books, you know, C-Spot, C-Spot Run, I know those are important in their own way as far as learning Words and letters and how to read and all that sort of thing. So there, that, I'm not bagging on those or anything. But, you know, some of them are better than others. And so these ones I want to talk about I feel like are some of my favorite stories regardless of how old you are. And the first one I want to talk about that I'm sure was on all of our lists is The Monster at the End of This Book.
2: Oh, that's a great book.
0: And the, the full title is actually – the monster at the end of this book, starring lovable, furry old Grover. <laughs> it was written in 1971 by John Stone, who is a series writer and producer on Sesame Street and illustrated by Michael Smolin. It has been a hit ever since it first came out and is the best-selling Sesame Street book of all time, ever. Wow. wow. The thing I love about this book is that it is entirely breaking the fourth wall. As soon as you open the, the, the cover, you get to the first page, Grover is like, What? What did that first page say? What did the front of that book say? There's a monster at the end? Oh, geez. Well, at least we have a whole bunch of pages between us and there. You know, let's just stay here. Everything will be cool. And then you turn the page and he's like, ah, you turned a page.
2: Why Why did did you you do do that? that? We're getting closer to the monster.
0: And he's terrified. And he goes through all these lengths to try and keep you from getting to the end of the book to where the scary monster is. He tries like nailing the pages together and he like glues them together. And at one point he even is like building a brick wall. He's going (laughs) to extravagant lengths to try and stop you from getting to the end of the book. And even before the very end, on one of the last pages, he is pleading. He's like, please, please don't do it. It's on the next page. I know it. Oh no. Anyway, in case you didn't see it coming, you turn the page to the end and it's just Grover. And he's like, I am the monster at the end of the book. Oh, and then at the very end he's like, and you were so scared. That's like a good Grover voice, by the way. Oh, I, I feel like Grover is Grover's very hard to do, so I wasn't even gonna try. That was just me being oh, excited. I <laughs> thought it sounded like Grover. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Um I I love this book so much because I feel like it's just like it's so silly. And, you know, it it does serve a purpose of, you know, teaching kids like how to face our fears and like kind of making a little bit of fun of like, you know, it's okay. Like it's Grover's, Grover's scared too, but like, it's all right. We're, we're in it together. But I just love that the entire thing is Grover being like, please don't, please stop. Close the book. We're done. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to get there. It's an, it's an amazing book. And like I said, the best selling Sesame Street book of all time. I feel like this was one that of course, reading as a kid, it was like easy words and things that I could read when I was very little. But as I grow up, it's such a fun story and I love it. It's so good. Yeah. And of course Grover's great. <laughs> yeah, Grover is great. But as yeah, even
2: as an adult, I like the criteria you gave for for picking some of your favorites. Because I agree. If you've never read this and you're an adult, I think it's well worth your time to go check it out. It'll it'll definitely bring a smile to your face, if not even make you laugh out loud. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's
0: funny it actually I was reading on Wikipedia it's uh, attributed with spawning a whole series of children's books that were kind of written in this like self-aware style that that this Monster at the end of this book was, including one of my honorable mentions that I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail on, but The Stinky Cheese Man and Other Fairly Stupid Tales. Do you guys remember that book?
2: Oh yeah. I had forgotten about that. That I you know, I never would have thought of that, but that certainly triggered some memories having you say that. It
0: is a hilarious book. And the whole the whole premise is that it takes these these fairy tales and makes them extra ridiculous and stupid. But the the stories are really stupid twists on fairy tales, like the princess and the bowling ball, the other frog prince the really ugly duckling, the Cinder Rumpelstiltskin, <laughs> and they're all dumb. Like the, the other frog prince is the, basically the story of the frog prince, but then the frog like gets his kiss and she's like, I thought you were going to turn into a human. And he's like, nope, and jumps back in the water. And
2: that's it. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> it's so that's dumb. great. Anyway, it's, that's an honorable mention, but it's, it's so good. But, uh, you know, something like that that I also remember from when I was a kid it is, is basically inspired by the monster at the end of this book. So that's pretty fun. One of the other ones I wanted to mention is a book called Gaston, not oh, Disney that Gaston. One's cute. It's that so, it's so good, written by uh, Kelly De, De, Kelly Depuccio. Puccio? I I'm so sorry, mm. I'm going to mess up names. Uh, pictures by Christian Robinson. It's this is an adorable book, and it really does like hold a special place in my heart. The whole reason we bought this book is that we had a little French bulldog named Bean, and she was she she had more personality than most humans I know. She was really something. She passed away last year, sadly, but she she was just the cutest thing. But on the cover of the book, you can see the illustration is of this little white French bulldog sitting in this chair. And it's like, it just looks exactly like Bean. And we're like, oh, it's Bean. And we bought this book, but it's adorable. It's the story of how this family of poodles, Mrs. Poodle, she is so proud of all of her puppies. Fifi, Fufu, Ooh and Gaston. And they're all <laughs> poodles, except Gaston, who is a bulldog. Uh, but Miss Poodle is is just so proud of all of her puppies and she teaches them how to do all these things. You know, they always, they always sip and never slobber. And of course there's a picture of all the poodles eating very daintily and the bulldog just slurping and spilling everywhere. The poodles are very polite and they yip. And of course the bulldog is just going crazy. And everything that uh, Gaston does in this book is exactly the sort of thing that Bean used to do. She was sloppy and she snored and she was loud and she was just the most wonderful. Anyway, one day they're out and about and they meet this other family that is all bulldogs except for one little poodle. And so they're trying to figure out like, oh, how do we handle this? Anyway, it is the most adorable book. And now nowadays it's just we look at it and we think, oh, Bean. It just reminds us of our sweet little girl. But it's such a cute book, you guys. You got to look yeah. it up. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, it came out in 2014. I had to, I had to look on the inside of the actual book because it wasn't on Wikipedia. <laughs> Can you believe wow. it? Another one I wanted to talk about that is also from 1971 is a Dr. Seuss book called The Lorax. There's a lot of Dr. Seuss books that I think are great, and there were a few on my honorable mentions list. Uh, oh, the places you'll go, and to think that I saw that on Mulberry Street are some super, super good books. But The Lorax is one of my favorites. Not only is it a great story, but I feel like it speaks to me on a, on a kind of deeper level. I feel like I I really love nature. I really love yeah. like our Mother Earth and Everything that's around us and not to be all like hippie and stuff, but I kind of am pseudo hippie. (laughs) (laughs) But the Lorax is all about, of course, the Lorax who speaks for the trees. And this story is told from the perspective of the Wunstler, who is this guy who lives on the outskirts of town and there's all, you know, pollution, everything's run down. And the onceler is telling this story of how when he was younger, he came to this beautiful place and he wanted to make it big and he wanted to be rich and he wanted to be a success. And so he started harvesting these truffula trees and making his thnees, which a thnee is the thing that everyone needs. But in order to do that, he was chopping down trees and he was polluting the waters and he was uh, ruining the habitat for the wildlife there. And the Lorax shows up and he speaks for the trees and he tries to get him to stop. And I just love one of my favorite things in the whole in the whole book is this quote that is toward the end. And I feel like I need this like cross-stitched or on a shirt or something. There are words I try to live by. It says, Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. And I just love that. I feel like those are words to live by. Yeah,
2: yeah, those those are definitely words of wisdom. And I think we see that, I don't know, day after day, year after year, you know, there are some things that get better. I actually just watched a, a little documentary about the ozone layer and why we don't hear about it anymore. And it actually was... People who cared and, you know, it's the first and only UN environmental agreement to be ratified by every country in the world.
1: That's awesome. And
2: so wow, when people come together who care about something, you, you can see amazing, amazing things come together. Yeah. And, you know, and, and and on a less
0: serious note, the book is really pretty to look at. Like, I love the illustrations and the animals are all so cute. You know, the swami swans and the hummingfish and the barbaloots and all of that stuff. It's so fun. But, I again, I love that this story that is fun to read and fun to look at and can, can be read and be understood by very young children also is, has the ability to teach something important. Like, hey, we should take care of our planet. We should do our part. You know, we have the ability to make things better, so maybe we should. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, and Dr. Seuss was kind of a master of that too. I mean, he used all of these, you know, silly made up words and all of his incredible rhyming and these these silly characters and the silly drawings and stuff. But he was able to use that to really convey some important things. I mean, there's lots of those sorts of messages in his books, the Sneetches and, and whatnot, you know, cover some kind of important topics that are like, oh, these are like good as as humans to, to do, right? So <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I just, I love the Lorax though. And then the last one I want to mention is a, is a step beyond, you know, some of these, like you were saying, Sean, some of yours are for very young kids. Uh, I know like the Lorax and some of those are like maybe a little bit more advanced reading. You know, they're not like early reader books, but they're, they're not super advanced. This last one is a little more advanced, but it is still a children's book by every measure that I can find. And it is The Hobbit.
1: Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew that one was coming. <laughs> you had mm-hmm. to have known.
0: You guys had to have known this was coming. <laughs> The Hobbit or There and Back Again, a children's fantasy novel by J.R.R. Tolkien, which was published in 1937 to wide critical acclaim. You know, I think sometimes it gets a little misunderstood because everyone has, or most everyone has seen the Lord of the Rings movies and they are super high epic fantasy. And even the new Hobbit movies were done in that same style. And that's going to be a can of worms we're going to get into on a different day. But (laughs) if you've read both books, you'll know the hobbit is so different from the lord of the rings yes a lot of the same characters exist yes it's in the same you know setting of middle earth but the tone of the book and the language of the book and the stories in the book are so different from lord of the rings these stories were created by jrr tolkien as stories that he told his children all of it is based on fairy story or as we would say in the united states fairy tales huh. So much of it has that basis. These were bedtime stories that Tolkien told his children, and it slowly, over time, I mean, he wrote it over the course of 10 years or so, it slowly evolved into what we have today. But again, if you go and read these, I I remember when we were younger, Nolan got a little box, paperback box set of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, and he read all of them straight through and loved them. And I was like, oh, cool, maybe I'll try them too. And I read The Hobbit, and I loved it. And then I tried reading The Lord of the Rings and I got maybe 50 pages into The Fellowship of the Ring and stopped because I, I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. I revisited it in high school and now it's like my favorite book of all time. But when I can't remember how old I was. When I tried reading The Lord of the Rings, it was just like a lot, right? You know, <laughs> there's there's a yeah. lot like it describes every blade of grass and every step they take and every you know, it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. The Hobbit is not like that. And I think The Hobbit is such a great book because they really are like- these type of adventure stories that I feel like I'm going to be telling my kids at bedtime. You know, like every chapter is a new adventure and every, everything that happens, Bilbo gets a little bit more courageous or he gets a little more skillful or whatever. By the time you get to the end of the story, Bilbo is a different person than who he was when he started. And for the maybe one person in the world who doesn't know the story, <laughs> hobbits <laughs> are little people. They're they are like men, but about half size, three to four feet tall at the, at the tallest, four feet tall. They have very hairy heads and very hairy feet, and they live in a place called the Shire in Middle-earth. And they love nothing more than good food and fresh-tilled earth and trees and nature and smoking their pipes, and they love it. And Bilbo is a hobbit, and he gets roped into an adventure, which is very unhobbit like by Gandalf the Wizard and this band of dwarves who are going to reclaim their treasure from the dragon Smaug. And he gets roped into this giant adventure and he goes off and has all these crazy things that happen to him. But he learns and grows and it turns into this gigantic, amazing adventure. Anyway, anybody who knows me knows that I am a huge Tolkien fan. I love Lord of the Rings. And I feel like The Hobbit is such a a brilliant story. And I really genuinely do feel like it is a children's story. It is a children's book. You know, these stories... Or really, really do appeal to little kids. They're, they're bedtime stories. They're awesome. Yeah, and I could go on for a long time, <laughs> but but I will stop myself.
2: <laughs> it's been a while since I've read it, and I I can't. Rem- I have no idea how old I was when I read it, but I remember it being a little bit difficult. And so I should go back and read it as an adult now. I think I'd appreciate it even. I more. highly
0: recommend it. It's it's a very good book. Again, like I said, it's a very different read from Lord of the Rings. I know people who who you know can't get into it or. Shannon, didn't you even say you were reading Lord of the Rings and it was like, after the ring was destroyed, I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. There's still like 200 pages left. Why am I still going? (laughs) Yeah. That's fair.
1: (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't admit that. I never actually finished the Lord of the Rings series because I got to the last book and the ring was gone and I was like, okay, the story is over and it's not and you've explain to me that it's not but i never Look, actually The movies are it.
0: similar too right they just like the Gollum falls in with the ring and then there's like another 45 minutes of movie after that right <laughs> like you know whatever i get it but anyway no i the hobbit's a great book it's so good i had a couple other honorable mentions um harry the dirty dog is such a fun little book the five chinese brothers darth vader and son and vader's little princess those were so good um, you know, there's so many great little golden books. that I love some of the new, like, um, I just got the jungle cruise as a little golden book. There's, there's so many good children's books out there, but I better wrap it up. Cause Shannon, you have some stuff to share.
1: All right. Yes. I have a lot of books and it is funny. Cause I was really thinking about it that like, I don't have kids and yes, I work in a school, but also I don't read most of these books in my classroom. <laughs> Like, they're books that I have read in my classroom, and they're books that are good for, like, future read-alouds and, like, possible lesson plans, but it's exactly like what Aaron said, that they're books that, as an adult, I still find them very good. Like, they're very entertaining. They've got a great message, whatever. Sean's been to my house a lot, and he's seen we've got these bookshelves in the living room, that, you know, we've got them organized, that's the D&D shelf, that's the comic book shelf, that's the manga shelf, like whatever. But I have a whole shelf dedicated to picture books <laughs> for the fact that I have no children in my house. And it's my, it's my shelf at home, not my shelf at school.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, that's awesome.
1: So anyway, we'll just kind of run through this. Some of them are nostalgia books, other ones are new ones. The top of my pile, so in no particular order, the top of my pile is one that I was just given for my birthday from my dad, is called Grumpy Monkey by Suzanne Lang, illustrated by Max Lang, and it's a really cute story about Jim Panzee, who is in a terrible mood for no good reason, and his friends don't understand, and they keep being like, why are you so grumpy, Jim, and you, you should do this, and you should do that, and... I'm using these voices because there's this really funny YouTube video where they retell it and they're like, Why are you grumpy? I'm not grumpy. And it's so funny. <laughs> these are
0: great.
2: And I so love they, finally,
1: it. they finally get to the end. And I guess maybe I shouldn't tell you the end, but I'm going to anyway because it's cute. <laughs> but uh, they get to the end and Jim finally comes to terms with it. And he's like, Okay, maybe I am grumpy, but that's okay. And it's okay to feel grumpy, and maybe tomorrow I won't. And that's how it ends, and it's great. That's great. Because this is a book that is kind of telling kids that your emotions are okay. You can be mad and not know why. You can be sad, and maybe tomorrow you won't, and that's okay.
2: I love that. That's really great. It's very cute. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to snatch it from you and read it yet. I I saw when you got it for your birthday, but I'll have to to give that a a read next time I'm over at your place.
1: It's very cute. And it has even on the cover. It's a number one New York Times bestseller. Nice. Very cute. And you
2: can tell from the cover that there is a very grumpy monkey on the front. Yes. (laughs) There's no doubt about it.
1: Uh, The next book in my pile is called P is for Pterodactyl. The Worst Alphabet Book
0: Ever. <laughs> you showed me this book. It's so good.
1: <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Oh, that's great. Oh. So it's written by Raj Haldar and Chris Carpenter. Pictures by Maria Tina Be- Bedia. I'm going to mispronounce names. I know it.
0: The favorite show would like to apologize for mispronounced names.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, they've got things like G is for Nat. K is for night. P is for pterodactyl. Wait a second. What's going on here? (laughs) So this book is so funny and goes through the whole alphabet of like opening up. H is for air. The honest air admits that herbalism is not his cup of tea. no. (laughs) And then at the very back of the book, like, you know, they have a glossary. It says, and now the worst glossary ever. And it kind of, you know, explains what all of the words are and, it's, and like how to pronounce them as well.
0: That's so great. What a brilliant idea, too.
1: Yes, it's a funny, funny book. Next one in my pile is Not Quite Narwhal by Jesse Seema. I don't know if either of you guys have looked at this book before.
0: I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. In
1: addition to the illustrations being so cute... The story itself is just really nice about Kelp. He thinks he's a narwhal. He's actually a unicorn. Aww. <laughs> and he lives with all the narwhals and he doesn't understand why his tusk isn't as long and why he doesn't like the same food they like and why he's not a very good swimmer. Aww. And his friends don't mind and they love him anyway, but then he gets swept away by a current and he gets on land and he's like, oh my gosh, land narwhals and they're like uh no we're a unicorn and so are you <laughs> and he finally fits uh. in and he loves it here but then he starts missing his friends and his family and he's like oh, but I don't want to like choose and it's really cute and like again this is a nice book that talks about you know acceptance and you're okay how you are you don't have to be with people who look just like you and that's okay. You can be part of a blended family and you can all get along and you can spend time with your friends and your family and it's all good.
2: That's so nice. I love I'll that. I'll check that out. That sounds great.
1: Ah, uh, here's my Mo Willems books. It's funny. I actually did have Can I Play Too as the elephant and piggy one oh, it's I chose. So good. It is my favorite. Oh, it's so good. And I
2: didn't spoil that one. So you guys got to go check it out. You got to give it a read. I'm yes. sorry,
0: guys. I gave some spoilers. I shouldn't
2: have. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I gave some spoilers too. I mean, I
1: have been too. But the other book, uh, the one that introduced me, and I think it might be his first book, is Nuffle Bunny. Or in later books, it could be argued that it's pronounced Knuffle Bunny. <laughs> but um, it's based on a true story, actually, about his daughter, Trixie. And the artwork in it is very cool because it's all photographs of where they used to live in Brooklyn. And he has illustrated his characters on top of it. And it's a very simple story that not so long ago, before she could even speak words, Trixie went on an errand with her daddy. And they go to the laundromat and they have laundry day. And while they're there, she loses her stuffed animal, Nuffle Bunny. But she can't talk yet, so she can't express, oh no, my world is over, my stuffed animal is gone. Until they get home and dad's upset and like, you know, it's funny, it's written in a way that adults can find it humorous, even though it's a very simple story. And as soon as they get home and dad's really annoyed because he had a long day and Trixie's annoyed because she doesn't have her stuffed animal, her mom is like, oh, hey, where's And <laughs> Like the realization. <laughs>
2: oh, man. Like in the
1: very end, it says something like, this book is dedicated to the real Trixie and to her mommy. And, like, it has, like, a special thanks to the laundromat that they used to go to.
2: <laughs> That's, That's awesome. nice.
1: And it's really cool. And I actually, um, Mo Willems is one of my very favorite children's authors. Um, so I looked up his Wikipedia page. And actually, before he became an author, he started his career as a writer and animator for Sesame Street.
0: Oh, wow. Oh. That's awesome. He
1: got six Emmy Awards for his writing during oh, 1993 and 2002.
0: That's super wow. cool. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, and Nuffle Bunny was written in two thousand four, so it was like right after his time was done. Wow! And he does like a really cool YouTube series that he animates and voice acts. That's not the right way to phrase that. He <laughs> he animates and performs his books that he's written. He got a Caldecott Honor for his story "Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus" because <laughs> he's got. These series that are very, very popular with kids. He's got the Pigeon series. He's got Elephant and Piggy. He's got Nuffle Bunny is, I think, a trilogy. But they're very good. The next in the pile is another one I actually just got for Christmas from my brother-in-law. is called Mixed, a colorful story by Ari e. Chung. And this story, the illustrations, I think, are what make it so cool. In the story, the kind of... Basic gist of it is that in the beginning, there are three colors. There's the reds, the yellows, and the blues. And they're very simple. They're just like dots with faces. And then eventually, there's the book describes it as a color kerfuffle that they start arguing over who's the best and why they're the best. And so they separate their towns into this is the red town, this is the blue town, this is the yellow town. We don't mix. Until one day, somebody does. And they fall in love. And then we have green. And then we have purple. And like we start getting all these new colors. And they start realizing that, you know, all these colors is a really good thing. And so, I mean, that's the underlying message of it all is that we should embrace our differences and being different makes us special and it makes our community thrive and bring something that just Everybody being the same could not bring.
2: Kind of sounds like a multi-generational version of the town that that banned dancing, right? (laughs) Yeah, they they had kids (laughs) and they all came out as different dancers or something. Yes. (laughs) It sounds
0: like a great book. I hope I could see all the colors as a colorblind person, but it still (laughs) sounds like a wonderful story. (laughs) I bet you could see most of the colors. I can see the primary colors. I know that.
1: (laughs) Oh, this one's funny. The next one on my pile is called The Princess and the Pony, which is another New York Times bestselling author, Kate Beaton. And this story, the illustrations are so cute. It's one of my favorite parts about this story. It's very like comic book, almost. And basically, it's about this little princess named Pinecone. And she lives in this town full of fierce warriors and like Vikings and whatever, And she really wants to be strong and tough just like them. But all she ever gets are sweaters and cute things because she's little and she's cute. Hmm. So for her birthday, she's very clear that she wants a mighty war horse. And instead, she gets a tiny little pony. And she's like, well, you can't say no to a birthday present. And I'll just go ahead and enter this fighting competition with the pony. And it is what it is. And I won't spoil what happens, but... It's a very cute. I, I'm describing all of my books this way. I need to find new words. But it's a very, <laughs> it's a very nice story with a very nice message about you know you're important no matter what, and you can bring something that other people can't, even if you're really cute and tiny.
2: I love it. Oh man, I really wanted to know what happened. I, <laughs> I mean, it if up. you want, no, I'll I gotta let wait. You know. I have to read. I have to read it. I just, what I don't want to have happen is I don't want to just look it up on Wikipedia or something. It won't have the same impact. (laughs) It's not the same.
1: (laughs) I'll leave my pile of books out and you can look through them.
0: Sounds good. Shannon literally did text us a pile of books before we started recording. She was like, (laughs) I got to narrow this down. It's a giant pile of books.
1: (laughs) I'm almost through it. I'm almost through it. I really am though.
0: Listen, that's why we let you go last. You take as much time as you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, here's here's one you guys are familiar with for sure. This one was a favorite in our household growing up. Uh, King Big Goods in the Bathtub. Ooh,
0: that's a good oh, one. Yeah. yeah, written
1: by Audrey Wood and illustrated by Don Wood.
0: Yeah, that's the a
1: illustrations good one. are beautiful. They're very detailed, and I feel like the longer you look at them, the more you can see. And it's a very cool book, but it is. Like we were saying for uh, younger readers, it is a very repetitive book, which you know helps with reading development. And it's just an entertaining story, too, about King Bidgood, who's in the bathtub, and he won't get out. He's having a good time. And the queen needs him to get <laughs> out, and the court needs him to get out, and the knights need him to get out, but he doesn't want to. And that's actually—it um, was a call-to-call honor as well. But that was a story that back when I taught an American Sign Language class— The students needed to um, have like a final project that they could present to their parents. And so I translated the book into sign language and I had the kids perform it. And, you know, I had them choose their parts and create their costumes, but then they would sign the book basically while I narrated for them. And they loved it so much that they actually asked if they could perform it for the whole school. (laughs) So I got permission from the principal. To hold an assembly where they would perform their little skit for the whole school, and then they kind of did a little Q and A panel of what they like about sign language, and it was a really cool moment for me as a teacher. So That's that book awesome. is extra is special awesome. for me now.
2: That's so cool. Did you narrate in front of the school?
1: I did, so I just sat on the step, and I had the microphone, and I read the story while the kids signed it. That's so That's great. That's awesome.
2: I thought you'd both be simultaneously proud and a little bit nervous to be <laughs> yes. <use> the <a> voice <laughs> yes. in front of the entire school. <laughs>
1: yes, I was. No, all of all of the school kind of filing in with their chairs and everything, and the kids you know, are backstage with their jitters. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm nervous, too. Let's <laughs> <Yeah>. do
2: this. <laughs> yeah. That's so it's good. great. Oh, yes. man. Yes. <laughs>
1: All right, and then the last picture book on my list here is kind of a funny book I discovered semi-recently called "Are You Scared, Darth Vader?"
0: (laughs) Oh, that's a good one (laughs) by Adam Rex. That's so good,
1: and it is a very silly book that has very cute illustrations. I gotta quit saying that. It's got very nice illustrations. Listen, you know what you like. You know what you like. (laughs) (laughs) That you know there. It's another one that's written almost purely in dialogue. Of like, you know, are you afraid of this Darth Vader? Are you afraid of that? And he's just commenting, no, I'm not scared. I'm never scared, whatever. And (laughs) it's funny. It's a funny book. And I'm not going to give away the ending to that one either. So, Sean, if you want to read it, it's going in my pile.
0: Oh, man. I got (laughs) to check that out too. That sounds great.
1: But then, yeah, while I was... Like I said, I've got this bookshelf here, and as soon as we were kind of talking about what we were going to talk about this week, I went over and started pulling, you know, my favorite books, kind of putting some of them back, pulling out some other ones. And then I was really thinking, though, that my mind immediately jumped to all of these picture books. But for sure, you know, children's books are not just picture books. I was kind of trying to find the line between where it's still a children's book and where it turns into a young adult novel, because I do, they, they kind of definitely blend together on my shelf. Let me grab the next pile. <laughs>
0: I promise there's not that many.
2: <laughs> Carry on. I was curious with, I know that you started with the picture books, and Aaron gave the definition earlier of a, of a story or book that you can enjoy as, as an adult or at any age. I'm curious, this could be for either of you, but I, just, I thought of it with the way you were talking through it, Shannon, is if any of these books make you feel... Feel a certain way, or they make you feel better, because I think I don't know. As kids, life seems a lot more cut and dry, things in in boxes. And you know, looking back, your word "cute." Yeah, it's 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 cute the way it 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 pulls something in a different way or has illustrations. But in the end, that ends up being how life is. And I'm I'm wondering. I was just curious if there are any situations or ways you're feeling that you find you end up going back to any specific books or kinds of books. It's not going back to it just because of the book itself. It's not, it's not, I'm going to read Can I Play 2 because Can I Play 2 is just a good book. It's (laughs) more like, I just need to laugh a little bit Mm, or I just need mm. this, that, or the other in in my life more so than I just need a book for that book's sake.
1: You know, I do think as far as my picture books go, I feel like the most common time when I go to pull them off a shelf is to show them to other people (laughs) or when I have something like almost, I, I hate to phrase it this way, but like if I have a point I want to make that like I have these books that have such a nice message told in such a simple and yet kind of profound way that, you know, in a conversation if somebody's expressing something. I can be like, hey, here's this really cool book. I think you should read. It's got this really great message to it. Or, yeah, just if somebody is feeling a certain way of like, oh, yeah, like that sucks. You're feeling like that. And, you know, that's okay that you're feeling like that. Here, here's this really funny book. Take a look at it. Tell me what you think kind of thing.
0: You know, I'll say for me, I feel like because we have a shelf also of a bunch of children's books and and these these short, you know, picture books and whatnot. And sometimes I'll just pick one up to read it just because – you know, if you're jumping into a novel, it's a big time commitment. You're going to be, you know, maybe a chapter a day or whatever. You know, it takes some time to get through these books. Whereas, you know, picking up one of these short little stories, uh, children's story, you can breeze through it in a couple of minutes. It's almost like the difference between sitting down to watch, you know, a, a feature length film versus just putting on an episode of mm. something.
1: Yeah, that's a good comparison.
0: And not not that it's just like, oh, I just can't be bothered to read something longer because. Obviously I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, but, um, (laughs) you know, like sometimes it's just fun to be like, oh, well, here's a fun story and, and, you know, read through real quick. And it's not necessarily that I'm looking for like, oh, I'm really feeling this mood. I want this. But I end up always getting something out of it. You know, I finish and I'm like, oh, that was nice. Or like, oh, I feel better now. Or or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. For me, it's not even necessarily moods. But there are certain books that when I'm reading, sometimes they keep kids' attention. And sometimes by the first page, they're gone. And I still just read the rest of the book by myself. Yeah. <laughs> and like, And I didn't even realize until getting ready for this episode that I did that some. And I think it's just, I don't know, it's... It's enjoyable. It's a good story. Good, good illustrations when it's a picture book, or you know, if it's if it's not just good story. I I don't know. It's it's a really easy way to enjoy reading. I guess maybe at its most basic form.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Enjoying a story in a basic form too.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, as you say that, that's totally true. That. You know, if I am putting something else on the shelf or if I'm getting a book off to show somebody, I'll see something like, oh, yeah, this is such a fun book. And I'll just pull it down, take a minute or so to just read through it and be like, oh, yeah, that's such a good book. I'm glad I looked at it again. And like, you know, like you were saying, I reread every single one of these books before talking tonight because I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Then yes. For my other pile that I did not reread. Um, These were just some other books that are definitely children's books. They are probably reading level between like third grade and sixth grade, maybe. These are just books that I loved as a kid and that I will actively reread with my students in reading groups, depending on their uh, current level that they're on. Again, no particular order, just kind of going through the pile, is one of my very favorites as a kid called Higglety Pigglety Pop or There Must Be More to Life.
0: That's a great one.
1: Which is just a mouthful, um, <laughs> which is a book by Marie Sendak, who did the book Where the Wild Things Are. And I remember finding this book as a kid, and it's really interesting because it's a square, and it's very small. Um, and on the cover is a dog that looks just like the dog we had as a kid. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a picture book. Like, there are pictures in it, but, like, it's got chapters. It's got a lot of words in there. And they're kind of tricky words, mostly just because it's an older book, and so it's an older uh, style of writing. But it's very good, and I like it.
2: It's very, very good. You both talk about it like you you know it really well, and it doesn't even ring a bell for me. I'll have to, I'll have to take a <laughs> look at it. I, it doesn't sound familiar in any way, so I'll have to check that out.
1: No, and I, I feel like it's a book that most people have never heard of. It says inside of it, copyright 1967. It's a very old book. And yeah, it was just, it was on the bookshelf at the library and I just discovered it once. And for whatever reason, I latched onto it. I just really enjoyed it. Another book featuring a dog as the main character is part of the Benicula series. I don't know if either of you guys have read Benicula.
0: I'm familiar with it, but I actually haven't
2: read any.
1: It's really good.
2: Eh? No idea. <laughs>
1: Vinicula, that's probably about a. Oh, I don't. I'm going to butcher. I want to say it's like a fourth grade level book. Maybe it's younger. But it's about this family that goes to see Dracula in the movie theaters. And then they find a rabbit who happens to have like kind of like a widow's peak pattern in its fur. And it doesn't eat its food, it sucks out the juices. And so the cat (laughs) is convinced it's a vampire. And the dog is just happy to be there.
0: and <laughs> As many dogs are. <laughs> yeah,
1: wants the treats, feels like the cat is overreacting and taking everything too seriously, as cats usually do. <laughs> so it's a funny book. But my favorite in the series is the Howliday Inn, where um, the cat and the dog are taken to a uh, like pet hotel. Um, Because the family has gone on vacation, and so in the middle of the night, they hear this howl, and Chester is convinced it's a werewolf, because Chester cannot be contained. He he sees the worst in everything, and so he, of course, has Howard come along with him on his journey to uncover the mystery. It's very cute. Oh my god. Gosh, it's a very nice book. I need to read more books so I have a better vocabulary.
0: Good <laughs> <Get> grief. <laughs> you know what you like.
1: <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Another one I really, really like. I tend to read it with uh, my fifth graders. It might be, it's probably about that level, is Holes by Louis Sicar. Oh,
2: that's good. That's real good. I've heard of that one. It's really good.
1: <laughs> yes. Um this one got a it was a Newbery Medal winner. And if you like the movie Holes, you'll love the book. It really it's funny how well the writing for the movie was because like I was rereading this book with Alex, uh, we tend, we like to read books before bed. And he was like, hey, wait, that mo- like that scene is straight out of the movie. And I was like, yeah, like the, somebody who was writing the script, I have no idea who it was, was reading through the book and just straight up took the lines right out of it. And hey, like, if they're
0: good, they're good, right? Yes. <laughs> Use them.
1: <laughs> so it's a very good book, highly recommended. Um, another series I really enjoy, I haven't reread this one in a long time, I should, uh, is by Phyllis Reynolds Naylor. The series begins with the first book, The Boys Start the War.
0: I don't know Um, this one.
1: And just like what it kind of, quick description on the back, just when the Hatford brothers were expecting three boys to move into the house across the river where their best friends used to live, the Malloy girls arrive instead. This book was published in the 1990s, and it is just like standard, you'd think of like a 90s TV show of the teenage boys, that are annoyed with the teenage girls. And so they get into these hijinks of just pranking each other all the time. <laughs> and it's really funny. And it actually is a very long series. I have not read them all. I have read the first one, The Boys Start the War, and the sequel, The Girls Get Even. <laughs>
0: nice.
1: Beyond that, there's Boys Against Girls, The Girls' Revenge, A Traitor Among the Boys, A Spy Among the Girls, The Boys Return.
0: Wow. <laughs> there's wow. a lot. No, there's goes a on and on.
1: <laughs> the Girls Take Over, Boys in Control, and the final book, Girls Rule.
0: <laughs> so wow.
1: There's a ton of them. I have not read all of them, but the first couple I did read as a kid, and I thought they were very entertaining. And I mean, even the book cover, I'll have to send you guys a picture, is very 90s. Whoa, I'm talking for a long time. I got two more. It's two awesome. More and then we're done. I love it. <laughs> uh, second to last one I was going to talk about is actually a very scary book called Wait Till Helen Comes, which is a ghost story written by Mary Downing Hahn, who writes all of the most terrifying books for children.
0: (laughs) That seems like such an oxymoron. (laughs) Terrifying (laughs) books for children. And quite a niche, too. I mean, I guess there was like goosebumps, right? But were those for kids or were those for young adults? I guess I don't know.
1: That's, I think, why I really like this book. It's written well and it's creepy in a way that it's not going to terrify me because its audience is aimed... At
0: children. (laughs) So here I am. This seems like it's right up my alley. (laughs) Yes.
1: But um, the premise of the book is that this family, like, I mean, it sounds like a standard horror story. This family moves to this house that was like an old church. Has a graveyard in the backyard You're screaming at the characters To get out of there and they can't hear you And they make poor choices (laughs) (laughs) And of course There is a ghost named Helen Who is trying to like Take one of the children So she's not alone anymore (laughs) It's very scary (laughs) So anyway For a lonely little girl A new friendship can be wonderful And very dangerous Is what it says on the cover Dun 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 so it's very good. The last one, last one and a half I was going to talk about is uh, by Natalie Babbitt, who is the author of Tuck Everlasting, which is also a book I really enjoy. I don't know if either of you guys have read that one. I have not. It's kind of an old classic. I definitely recommend it. Um, it's written in 75, 1975 um, about a mysterious family that lives in the woods and a little girl whose family is very rich and practically owns the whole town, but she's an only child and she's very bored. So she wanders into the woods where she meets this mysterious family and she discovers this secret they have that they need her to keep no matter what. And so she has this kind of choice to make. Very good. Sounds good. But anyway, Natalie Babbitt, my favorite book that she's written actually was a Newbery Honor book called Neenock Rise. And it is one of my favorite little chapter books. It's one you could read in a day. It's very short. It's actually older than Tuck Everlasting. This one was written in 1970, and it is about a little boy who he goes to visit his relatives in the summer because they have this big festival every summer, and there's this fair in town and everything, but they warn him that there's a mountain near the town that he is never to go to because there's a monster that lives on the top of it, and you can hear it on rainy nights. And he was like, whatever, you guys are just little townsfolk. There's nothing like that until he hears it one night. And then, you know, you Ooh. see these kind of mysterious shadows and he just wants to know what it is. And it's very cool. It's a, it's a really good book. I feel like it's very interesting. Like it'll keep your attention while being, you know, a very short children's book that it's a good quick read if you're wanting a new story but not necessarily to start. The Lord of the Rings.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> there you go. There's my very long list. I'm sure I have more, and Sean said it. I'm sure if you ask me for updates next week, it'll be different. So I will not. <laughs> I will not, unless I find like my new most favorite book or something.
2: <laughs> Man. I feel like you should have a, a Goodreads page or something where people can follow you for children's books or something. I was just going to say, we
0: need to have the Favorite Show Book Club or something. There's,
2: <laughs> there's a bunch of these I haven't read. I need to go check them out. That
0: sounds amazing. Man, I'm glad we saved you for last, Shannon. I knew you had a whole bunch of good <laughs> stuff. I knew it.
1: Well, I mean, we did do that book club once upon a time with the family, and we started it off with a book that I was surprised nobody had heard of, Banner in the Sky, which the only reason I didn't mention today oh, is because that book. might be borderline young adult. I don't know. It's it's like a sixth, seventh grade level, maybe.
2: It was right up my alley as it an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. It <laughs> good.
0: Well, I love it. I'm glad you were able to share so many of your favorite books, Shannon. They were awesome. And Sean as well. This is probably a good time to wrap it up. We just keep getting longer and longer episodes. It's because everything we talk about is awesome.
2: (laughs) It's very cute. I know. We got to really hone it in and have like favorite pasta shape or something. I bet we can't go too long on that. I know. One of these
0: weeks, we're going to have an episode that's like 20 minutes long. We're going to read the emails and be like, well, I like this. Well, (laughs) subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. (laughs)
1: By all means, cut anything of mine now. I oh, talked geez. for a long no, time. No, no,
0: no, no, no. It's all it's all <laughs> wonderful. I love it all. But this probably is a good spot to wrap up. <laughs> um, we want to hear what you think. Send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram at thefavoriteshowpodcast. Let us know your favorite children's books. There's so many. I mean, even just from between the three of us, we've covered so many books and there's just so many out there. We'd love to hear what your favorites are. Also, let us know if you have suggestions for future topics. Today was a topic that was suggested by a listener, Tom, uh, in Florida. Thanks again. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Uh, If you like what you hear, please consider sharing it with a friend. Uh, We'd love to be able to grow our listener base and share it with more people. And we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear. If you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating, I mean, just imagine that this is a book, right? (laughs) We're going to translate this into a book. We're going to have all kinds of pretty pictures and colors and stuff. Now imagine that, and it will make you happy. You give us five stars. Is that too much of a stretch? I feel like I'm stretching.
1: Oh, no, that's fine. And if that doesn't work, it's okay to not feel like giving us five stars. Just wait until you feel better, and then you can give us five stars.
0: Yes, that's That's important. Feelings are valid. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. All right, well, that'll wrap it up for this week. Until next time, my name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. See you later. See
2: ya. Bye. Cue the music.
0: I don't know how I'm going to make a book-themed song for the end of this episode.